With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, Hockey World. It's Wednesday, July 26th, 2017. I'm Michael Agello. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I'm Eklund. You're watching the Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes every Monday through Friday at this time to fill you in on the comings and goings in the hockey world. I'm today at a secret, undisclosed location. But, um, EO, <laughs> so sorry. EO, for the... EO, EO. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um. We got a little bit of news today, and I also want to get into this discussion we talked about yesterday with the Olympics and the possibility now of, you know, some of these guys who aren't going to get signed possibly going to the Olympics okay. and playing with other players, which is uh, that's an interesting, it's an interesting topic, and I think it's getting overblown a little bit on the Internet. I don't think it's necessarily going to happen, but we'll talk about it for sure. But the first thing, um, a little bit over three hours ago um, – Ryan Spooner and the Bruins have settled their arbitration case out of, out of court for $2.825 million. A lot of people felt Spooner has been, was going to be traded at some point. It still is possible, but this is where they are right now. Um, yeah, I mean, he's got cost certainty now, so that never stops anybody from being traded. That enhances it, but he's a useful player. I, I think for whatever reason, there's just been this vibe that he's you know, going to get traded. But he's useful to that team. I, they're probably better off keeping him. Yeah. Well, the the thing with Spooner is, and he may have gotten a secondary chance uh, because of the change in coaches from Claude Julian to Cassidy, uh, given given more of a role with that team. Um, and I think if Julian was still in charge, I think Spooner would be gone. I think they would have moved him. Moved on from him, but I think he gets a second chance, and you know he does have some offensive talent. Now, two years ago he scored forty nine points. Last year he scored thirty nine. Now this is a team that's not loaded with a ton of offensive talent. So I, I think him getting another chance in Boston, maybe he gets into the top six. If he doesn't, and he's a third, fourth line guy, then this is just really not a not a great signing one way or the other. But I think they can give him an opportunity in the top six, and maybe he uh, he grows from there. Right. I agree. I think that's true. I, I definitely think that, you know, it has to have something to do, like you said before, it has to have something to do with the fact that, that you know, that, that the coaching has changed because, really, Spooner has definitely been on the trade market for a while, you know, um, at least a year now, I would say. And – I mean, and like we said, this doesn't necessarily matter because it might help with cost certainty for him for sure. Um, I mean, I know other, there's plenty of teams fast, there. He's a fast player. He's not bad on faceoffs. He is a pretty smart player, I think, and he's a developing player. It's not like they're, you know, he's the kind of guy you want to just give up on this part of his career. I, I think he's a good role player. I do, and I think he's a guy that could score 35 points yeah. most years. Now, he's, 20, he's 25 years old. I mean, what – what they may want to do in terms of providing a matchup problem, you have a guy who can generate offense playing on your third line. 
sometimes that provides a matchup problem for the other team where they're not expecting a third line center to be, or or if you play them on the wing, a third line forward to be able to generate a ton of offense. And in this day and age, when you have somebody on your third line who can generate offense, it does provide a matchup problem for the other team. And that could be the difference between wins and losses. So I think he can be a very useful player, but that doesn't preclude the possibility of them moving him out if they think they can get something that, that that they need for him. I mean, it would only be in an upgrade situation. I think we're what we're talking about with a lot of these teams are they'll listen if they can upgrade, but I don't know if they're actively searching anymore, the Bruins. You know what I mean? They'll that's that's just the way I feel. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um so getting into the Canadian thing for a second, okay, there's um there's been some talk that, you know, Doan and Aginla, I haven't heard Fisher possibly. Um could be considered for these, you know, the, I mean, Canada's come out and said that they would consider him if they wanted to play with them. Um, right. And you have the idea here that, you know, maybe they could play there and they could still play in the NHL if they play in the Olympics. They could yeah. sign after that. You know, the, the Olympics end before before the deadline for signing starts, mm -hmm. hits, which is the trade deadline. So, um, but and then they also released their rosters, which is really interesting, of players they're inviting to to their, they have a couple different, uh, they're gonna have like a pre-Olympic tournament and they have two teams set up. And they do really, really there are a lot of ex-NHLers on here. Um, sure, I mean, they yeah. just want, to, they want them to show up to see what they look like. These are tryouts for the Olympics. It's a little embarrassing. Yeah, that's, that's what is strange. It does remind me of that movie that I watched a long time ago, um, where the, when Canada put a team into the Olympics, I think one of the first times they did it, I can't remember what that movie was called, but it's a really yeah. classic like black and white movie. Or no, it wasn't a movie. It was a um, it was a documentary on Canada putting. I'll find out the title. It was really good. It like was, this is the, this is the point where me, I, I figure somebody should have been looking at this a year ago, saying there is a great possibility the NHLers aren't going to be here. Let's already start to get a handle on guys who could be on the team. And instead now they're having a giant tryout. Like it's yeah, just bad. What this what this is is Team Canada, and apparently this this tournament is in Sochi, and I guess it's being called the Sochi Open, or at least that's. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, Team Canada. I think Team Canada right now looks like uh, the group from the movie The Replacements. So I'm wondering yeah. whether Brandon Cozen or Max Talbot is the Shane Falco of Team Canada. So, but but but, but honestly, this like I said, and I made this comparison many times. You know, with the with the rules, with the parameters have been set up. This is the Spangler Cup. And if you look yes. at that roster, it's basically a Spangler Cup type roster. Now, there have been players who after the Spangler Cup, I remember Curtis Joseph, I think it was when he signed with Calgary, he went to the Spangler Cup, he played really well, Calgary signed him. So I, I, I think, now the only question is when the trade deadline is. And I don't right. know, and now we know that the Olympics are in mid-February. More than likely, the trade deadline would be around March the 1st like it was last year. Right. If that's the case, then a guy like Aginla, a guy like Doan could use the Olympics as a springboard to signing a, a contract for the rest of the year. And in a way, remember Matt Sundin when he was with Toronto and walked away as a UFA and then signed with Vancouver, I think it was in January January of that year. He didn't have a great year, but for a team that's looking for that one piece of the puzzle, adding a Jerome Aginla for a couple months for a, for a, uh, for a, uh, like a base contract, yeah. Is that the worst idea? So it, it could be good for them. Yeah, it could be. I mean, they don't have to play the whole year. They can, you know, they can stay healthy for the most part. They're only going to do, you know, they, there's going to be some 
obviously working out the Olympics, but nothing crazy. The only problem is the more of those guys you add to the roster, the worse they're going to look against a Russia who is going to have a lot faster, younger guys, and, and maybe even Sweden and Finland. Like I, I'm thinking they may have some better teams than what Canada and the U.S. can now put out there. That's the worry. You load up with too many of those guys, you're now too slow. Yeah, but go to the go to the other end, Russ. What if, and as I was as I was theorizing yesterday, a team like Team USA bringing maybe four or five players from the World Junior Team, which I think is realistic because you know guys guys who have not signed, you know guys for example like Ottinger or Joseph Wall as their goaltenders. I don't think there's a goaltender or American goaltender better than that in the in the German league or the Swedish league or the Finnish league or the KHL. So they arguably would be the best unsigned goaltender out there. Um, I mean, will that have a detrimental effect going forward if they're facing Kovalchuk and Datsuk in the Olympics? I don't no. think it will. No, I don't think it would. I think those are last-minute alterations. But I think when we're just talking about what we're talking about now, this tournament, the, the other issue is, remember, this is a bigger ice sheet. Jerome McGinley is not going to look great, and neither is Shane Doan on a bigger sheet of ice if they're out there in the third period and it's the middle of the period and they're down a goal. It's going to be a battle for those guys. I mean, th this is where – and they haven't been practicing to be on a bigger ice sheet either. So, th th you know, this is where all of a sudden that's a great neutralizer. Even a middle-of-the-road KHL guy is at least used to the Olympic sheet of ice. Makes True. a difference. Yes. Yeah, I mean, we've got just – you know, the goalies that kind of has set up for Justin Peters, Kevin Poulin, and Ben Scribbins, right? So those are the three goalies that they have. Now, at least Scribbins has played on the longer – on the bigger sheet for more right. – for more time than any of these other guys, I believe. Yeah, he That's played last year with I think it was Dynamo Minsk. So right. he's and he so he's been seeing pucks consistently yes. for the, for the last couple of years. So that would That's that would give him that would give him the inside track on Team Canada, the the goaltending for Team Canada. Yeah, do we have I a Tim have, Thomas update. Do we? We don't have a Tim Thomas update. We tried, but we reached out, but nothing yet. Um, Gilbert. I mean, we've got guys like you know Gilbert Brule. Yeah. Um, Daniel Paye, Max Talbot, uh, Brandon Cozen, former Leaf. Yep. Um, we've got uh, Derek Roy. I, you know, I think a lot of people thought Derek Roy retired. No, but you know what? He's got the kind of speed that if he could do yeah. anything, you want him on your roster. Carlo Coliacomo, another one who's been – He still could skate, so I'm okay with him. Yeah, yeah. Kevin Klein, who just played you know, recently. Yeah, Probably. Kevin Klein uh, – the skating's not fantastic, but he he's young enough; he'll be okay. Cam Barker, you know, so like there are some players that are really that do stand out as 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 decent NHLers. Wow. You're, you're you're gonna you're gonna have a team. I mean, the difference between the Spangler Cup and the Olympics is you may have a higher level of player of you know free age free agent players maybe more willing to play in that tournament because of the, the eyes that, it, oh, that yeah. will be drawn to it. So, yeah. Just remember, the one potential name you could have on the Czech team is Jaromir Jager. That I wonder about because, you know, we've talked about for a second there, you know, that there um, has been an issue, you know. Well, Jager said, said, said last year that the World Cup of Hockey was – yeah, that that may have changed now that he can't get a job. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I agree. Agent I mean, may say go play in that, so if you look good, you can get back in the NHL. Precisely, and I, I could I could completely see that. Yeah. Um, that could change no, his outlook, Mike. 
Now, here's my question to you guys. Okay, so we're looking at this Canada team, which I think will be better than the American team. I would say, my guess would be. You know, I mean, I don't know what the American team has in store yet. But let's compare them to the Vegas Knights. Let's just throw that out there, okay? Okay. Team Canada, Team, team USA, the Vegas Knights. Rank them. Yeah, the Vegas Knights are going to be ranked number one because they have Flurry. That's a big edge. Vegas, right? Canada, U.S. Yeah, yeah I'm going to go Vegas, Canada, U.S. I, I think that's the way. I would think so, too. So, you know, this is – um. But we can't send the Vegas Knights for the Olympics. We can't send the Vegas Knights for the Olympics. Are there AHL teams better than these teams? No. So you don't think you don't think there's any AHL team better than? I mean, look, you might have one team that has played together for such a long time that could give a scare. Right. But the problem is, like that KHL team is going to be pretty loaded with stars. Now, you know, there'll be the haters that say, "Oh, they're going to choke or whatever." Yeah, they're not going to be playing as good a competition as they as as they've been playing the last couple of years. There will be at least three to four to five really dangerous guys on that Russian team. And well, yeah, I think the Russian team will be better than the Vegas team. You think? Yes. Russia will kill Vegas. Yes, I agree. Right. So therefore, you got to think Russia's going to kill these teams because you think Vegas Most is Most likely. The only thing that will be – the only thing, like, in terms of their goaltending – I mean, in the World Cup of Hockey, the goaltending for Russia has always been questionable, even though they had Varlamov and Bobrovsky, those guys never really stepped up in international competition. Yeah. I don't know who the – it might It might be Samsonov, Rush. Rush. It could it be Samsonov. Might, it might be Samsonov. Yeah, that's a heck of a goalie to have right there. Yeah, so you're talking about a 20-year-old goaltender as, as Russia's goalie in the Olympics. I think but, he's older than that now. He's probably 22. No. Was he – okay. I'll yeah, check. he's been a couple of years since his draft year, so. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I mean this. I think that Russian team is gonna it's definitely setting up to dominate it. I mean, we like you say, we don't know what Sweden and Finland could bring to the table. That's Sundin. I mean, would my friend Dean play? They could bring a couple of retired guys that might be of of use. That's a possibility. I mean, Boris not... Salming's available. Boris <laughs> <laughs> Salming looks the part, but I don't think he could skate on the uh, on the Olympic sheet anymore. No offense. Sam Sonoff is 20, so you'd have a 20-year-old goaltender. Now, going that that would go against normally the typical Russian approach, whereas they they, they never play the young guy. Yeah. Um, they always go with the guy who's got the most experience, but in this instance, he's probably the best. I mean, I don't know who in, in the KHL who is a Russian goaltender. Well, I mean, there's Chesh Yorkin from the Rangers. There's Sorokin from the Islanders. Those guys are good, too. That may be their three right there. Right. I mean, you're going to bring in a 41-year-old Evgeny Nabokov? No, no. They, they've got goalies. And actually, I don't know if there'll be anybody as good on the U.S. or Canadian team as Kirill Kaprizov. I doubt it. No. Yeah. Because he could play in the NHL right now. He just chooses not to. Right. He's making, he's making money in the KHL right now instead of toiling in Iowa. So this is a this is right. you know, this I is, mean like here's the thing this is not the NHL's fault but this is like no. USA hockey sort of not looking down the road and, and and hockey Canada but like when do you get to the point where it's embarrassing for the US team we might be at that point now just trying to field it yeah yeah I mean this is gonna be a really hard team to field it's, it's, I, I, I I don't I, see where they're gonna go. 
the talent to compete with with even the Canadian team. I actually think it's. I actually so unless they unless they unless they go very very young. Yeah, I, I actually am like I mean not to say I'm more into this than I would be if the NHL players are going, but I'm more intrigued by where they're going to get players and who's going to play. I yeah. think it'll be interesting. And if and and say for example, if a Team USA beats Team Russia with the players that the Russians will have, I'm not saying it's going to be anywhere close to Lake Placid, but it would be a big upset if, if like all of a sudden Steve sure. Moses and you know uh, you know uh, you know whoever and whoever also be on Team USA beat the Russians with Kovalchuk and Datsuk and all those players. No question, but when you here's the thing though. Now, NBC has their own channel, and there definitely will be people that just lazily watch hockey because it's hockey and it's Olympic hockey. Yeah. But NBC, what they're going to have to do, the PR battle for them is, like, if, if it were me, like, I would challenge people online, can you name more than five players on this roster? Yeah. <laughs> just to get them into it because there are going to be so many names they don't even know. Even if they're young stars – they're not going to know these pre-draft kids and and or or just drafted kids. A lot of people won't know them. Yeah, there's no way they they're going to have to educate a lot of people. It's a big chore. I mean, that's to to do that. That's going to be a big chore to get ratings. And so I just I just hope the U.S. team doesn't get embarrassed. I'm kind of thinking they could though. It's yeah. definitely it definitely points back to like a really long. It feels like a really far away bygone day, you know, like when yeah. USA was... It almost feels like pre-1960 right. where, where... USA was the worst team in the thing, and, and you know, you had to battle that, you know, where they couldn't beat Sweden or Finland or... Where's Jack McCartan when you need him? Yeah, it feels, it does feel pre-1960. Um, the other news today that I was, that I've been chasing is um, the rumor that the Rangers actually are talking to Alex Chason. Okay. Yeah. I um, want to know your opinion on that one, Russ. Well, I mean, there's, as, as they always say on the Rangers, there's always room on the third and fourth line because A.V. will put somebody in the doghouse. So <laughs> they have $3 million to spend. They might be spending some of it. I, I, think, I think he probably could find some work, but I think he's also going to have to – he's going to have a battle in camp. It's not going to be a guaranteed roster spot. Right. So he might have to spend some time in the in the press box. Like again, we might be getting this might be the same thing as Brandon Peary last year. Right. I, and my my thought on him last year was, if he plays and they play him a lot on the power play, he could really help. I think he played twenty something games and then they pretty much abandoned him. Right, and and that's why this might be a better fit in a in a thirteenth forward or third fourth line situation because. Peary is a specialist. He's a power play right. guy. He's an offensive guy. You know, to again use the straddle. Play different positions, but it's just the point of like this is what happens to sometimes players who are looking to break through coming with the Rangers. Like the only reason Michael Grabner got the ice time that he was going to get before he had that great year last year is because of his speed. Chason doesn't have that going for him. Right. Right. I mean, Grab Grab Grabner was a, was acquired basically to be a penalty killer. And they they hit the jackpot because he scored over twenty goals. But yeah. so Peary had 18, eighteen points. He did play sixty games. Right. But I remember he sat for some from good stretches too. And then in the playoffs, I'm not sure how much he, played, he even played, if at all, one or two games. I think. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. That's what you know. Chason's going to be looking at something similar. Could he get 
pop in 10 goals for the Rangers? Yeah, I think he probably could. I mean, could you put him with like JT Miller? I mean, yeah, I think there's some, there's some, an interest there because of the, uh, the size and, and physical play and those two guys may fit well together. I mean, if I can get him for a million and a half bucks, yeah, I'd probably do it. Yeah. 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 Um, I think so. In other, in other news, the, um, the Avalanche signed uh, Rocco Grimaldo, Grimaldi. Rocco Grimaldi. Rocco Grimaldi to a one-year deal. Um, the Avs are slowly filling up these roster spots that we had talked about that they have. Yeah, I'm surprised. I always thought Rocco Grimaldi would get signed by the Flyers because of his great play for Dave Haxtall. But yeah. maybe, maybe it just, you know, maybe they never explored it because, you know, they felt like they had enough wingers. But he's a guy that could really actually – add something to a team, especially if there's injuries, because he does have speed. He's smart. He is a small guy, but, yeah. but he is a really smart guy. And, you know, he does have some offensive ability. I, I think it's smart to bring in a guy like that. Yeah, and, and Colorado yesterday signed a player named Jesse Graham, and I looked him up, and he's basically an AHL, ECHL guy. So they, they, they're they filling up those spots, Zach, but they're not filling them up with – and I'm not saying Grimaldi because Grimaldi, if, if all things went right with the depth right now with the Avalanche, might have a chance at making the NHL. But right now they're not filling up these spots, with, especially on defense, with guys who are NHL-level talent. They haven't signed the key to the door off yet. He's the the, the the KHL looms for that for him. And their defense right now is really thin. So and they're still under 40 contracts. So they're to me a potential, and I'm using this as a pejorative, a potential dumping zone for a team that's got too many contracts. Yeah. And I and I think, you know, I, I don't know what Joe Sackick is doing unless he thinks he can get some bargains from teams that have a have sort of a roster crunch, but they need to add bodies, and it's just not 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 only talent, but they need to add depth as well, and they really don't have it right now. Yeah, I agree. I um, I like the signing though. I do think this is one of the better ones for them, as far as what what we've seen of the, the recent you know small signings that they've done. Um, because if you're still talking about the Avalanche, it sort of depends on who's still going to be there when the season starts, too, right? Right, right. We have no idea on that one. Um. Now, another another signing that we missed yesterday because there were so many uh, signings coming out of arbitration or before arbitration was uh, the Islanders signing of Adam Pellick or Pellich. I, I, never, I never never know how to correctly I always it. thought it was Pellick, but right. sorry. Now, now okay, the, the thing that's interesting about that contract is it's a four-year deal, but the cap hit is really low. And he really hasn't established himself in the NHL yet. But here's another example of teams rolling the dice on players that are not established yet and giving them now they didn't give them big money, but they gave them guaranteed money and they gave them four years. So they're rolling the dice that this guy's going to be a, maybe a top four, top five defenseman. And if he is a top four or five defenseman, then they got him under value for, for a lengthy time period. But this is the reality of the NHL right now. General managers are playing Yahtzee. They're rolling the dice and hoping that they that they they hit the, they hit a, uh, a five of a kind, and yeah. they they might not. And that and that's the thing. If if you strike out, if your evaluation is not there, and you you sign a guy like Pelich and he's not not the guy that you think he is, then you're locking yourself into a guy who's maybe a minor leaguer and you're spending over a million, a million and a half or a million, one, 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 one point six. And that's, that's what it signifies yeah. to me. It sort of signifies the, for the most part, for most teams, 
unless you're one of the upper echelon or very popular teams, the death of the free agent defenseman. Like, because mm -hmm. now teams are going to be locking up guys like that, even yep. on the on the blue line, and so that every year now it's going to dwindle in the marketplace for free agent defensemen. But I'll tell you this about Pellet. He put up big numbers in the URI. He he's an okay skater. He is a big body. And he has a pretty good shot. Like he can pop in a few goals and he can be physical. So I sort of look at him and I think they're probably looking at him as, hey, he's a good guy to have when this guy's injured, that guy's injured. We need him five or ten games. Maybe, you know, he looks good. We keep him in for 10, 15 games. Like so you know, I, I think it's okay because it's insurance. It's insurance, and nowadays it's it's like a bullpen in baseball. Teams have decided to load up on the blue line rather than any other position because they feel like that's the one that could really submarine their season quicker than anything. Well, I think I think that just as much as this contract is sort of emblematic of the death of free agent defensemen, I think a deal like the one for Mark Bedford Vlasic early in July is another example because teams are not letting guys who are potential top pairing guys or actual top pairing guys get anywhere close to unrestricted free agency. I mean, this guy, you know, uh, Vlasic was a UFA after next year. They, I think it was July 2nd or July 3rd. They signed him for eight years and I think they overpaid him. Now he's a really good defenseman. He's been on the Olympic team, but they, to lock him up and buy as many unrestricted years as they did, they overpaid him. And that's, you know, that's, uh, you know, that, that's what it is. I mean, I think that's the reality. You know, I, I'll, I'll tell you this, I'll share this with, with our audience in my charity slash media hockey career. I've mainly played wing, but for X team, I played the seventh defenseman. Yeah. You know, now I might have to start playing more defense because now it's clearly in a position of, of need. No, there's no there's no question in the especially in the charity tort hockey world, there's a lot of need for defense. Um, <laughs> I think that you you barely have any defense there. The only the only defense you have in those things are the guys that are really good hockey players who just want, want to play defense because they don't want to just make everybody it was look. Me bad. or a guy who didn't want to suit up like it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Basically, that's it. Oh, we got to get another game going this year. I want to do that. That was fun. Yeah, that was too much fun. Um, so the, the last thing, we're going to get a little bit early today, but uh, the last thing is this that I really want to get into because it, there's there's two things. One thing I want to talk about tomorrow is, so just to kind of put you on the spot but gives you a day to think about it, is who could possibly be the Calder Cup trophy winner? Oh, you know, the, 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 no, the Calder winner, not the Calder mm -hmm. Cup. Holder winner for next year because it really is one of these tougher. The Hershey Bears. Yeah, no, not the, who's going to win the Rookie of the Year? Can I just say it like that? Yeah, say it like that. It's fun. Who's going to be the Rookie of the Year? Because I think this is this is one of the harder ones that we've had in a long time. And yeah. we have well, players coming in. Well, Ru Ru Russ and I, Russ and I, did uh, I think it was last week, um, like sort of our top five candidates. Right. Okay. And, and, yeah, but and but it's a good it's a good exercise. But the thing the thing was is that the conclusion I came up with is that very few of the candidates are coming from this recent draft class. Right. That you know maybe a Heishier or one or two others from the first round will make these will make their teams this year. This is not a year where it's likely that a lot of right. a lot of players are going to jump right from the draft into the NHL. So you're talking your candidates for rookie of the year are going to come from the 2015 and 2016 draft classes. Yeah, so just just because a, a 
a local Philly station here, Sports One, has an incredibly great sounding soundbite that says Nolan Patrick will make his debut this season for the Flyers. Doesn't mean it's going to happen. Yeah, no, I know. He is skating, for what it's worth. He's skating anyway, but still. I expected him to skate this year. I did. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I think that's that's fair, right? Um, yeah. So no, I agree. I don't think Nolan Patrick is the guy. Um, I mean, we have no way of knowing. But but what's kind of interesting? The last couple of years, we've had multiple possible winners. Yes, and I think there's multiple possible winners for this year too. Okay, I guess that have been obvious. We'll talk more about it. I'll, I'll have to. Uh, I will not watch your show, your your discussion of this before, so I will have to come up with my own controversial sure it will be because yesterday. You know, over the past couple of days, everything I've said has been controversial for whatever reason for the show. Um, but uh, and finally, Markov, um, not Danny Markov, remember Andre Markov. Is Danny still hey. around? Is he still playing? Danny Markov, I wonder if he's still well, playing. Oh, he's, he's on. He's he's, uh, he's on Twitter. I know. I believe he was at the uh, the Leafs uh, Centennial Classic uh, Old Timers game. So he's still yeah, around. He I think he did play in Red Square too with when Bill Meltzer was over there and the, and the Flyers were playing. I think he played in that. Yep, yep. Yeah. So, so Andre Markov and the and the Montreal Canadiens are getting closer to parting ways, according to people I've talked to. I think they're parted. I think. Yeah, I think. I think it's over with. I I, I wrote about this yesterday. I can. Yeah. I not based on. Uh, not yeah. based on anything uh, other than you know, common sense. Looking at the at the Canadians roster and how many. Defenseman, they have on one-way contracts, but there was a there was a, a a column in the Montreal Gazette that basically said, you know, that the the Strite signing is emblematic of Markov and the Canadians parting ways, and I think that's reality. I mean, I don't think that you know the Canadians have the room to sign him, but in terms of under the cap, but they still need to add some forwards. I, I at least I, I believe so. I think they, it's going the same route as Benefer, Mike. I do. <laughs> There you go. I, but, I don't think it's dead yet. I don't think it's dead yet. I think I don't that, think it's dead. I don't think it's dead. But let's just say this: I, I, I don't think that Andre Markov is taking a, say for example, one year, three and a half million dollar contract from the Canadians. I think if he does that, he's taking it from another team that he can play in a top two to top four role. Where you know he'll have that in Montreal, but I think this is sort of a a face-saving maneuver here. He, he looks bad if he goes back to Montreal hat in hand and says, would you give me a one-year deal? He, I think he has more more respect in terms of himself and throughout the league if he goes someplace else and basically says, Montreal, go screw yourself. I'm going to go someplace. I'm going to play for one year. I'm going to show you what you missed out on. And I think, like I said, a team like Washington, a team like Toronto, there are a few other yeah. teams out there. I think it makes sense. Capitals a lot over the last day or so. I mean, I think the Capitals are the ones that are leading the way in this right now. I can see, the, I can see the Capitals. I yeah. can. I mean, I, I just, I, I think if there's a chance, Markov has the same chance as the uh, Black Knight did in, in Monty Python and the Holy Grail to be back with Montreal. <laughs> well, on that note, we're um, sorry for doing a quicker show today. We got some stuff happening around here we can't talk about yet, but um, just a flesh. Yeah. Yes, yeah, just a flesh wound. Um, we'll be back tomorrow. We will talk Calder, and we will have some news that I promised from Jonathan Tavares. I'm waiting on one more source on that, but I think that we should have it up by later today. And I have to just a hint that there is a uh, Canadian team that he is apparently very interested in signing with um, and starting to really think about a Canadian a, a Canadian city. We'll th say that much. Okay. Um, it might not be who you think right away. 
So, um, but we'll so talk. Is Moncton, is Moncton still in it? <laughs> Possibly. It's Saskatoon. We know it's Saskatoon. Yes. But, um, yeah, but thanks for watching, guys. Uh, remember, without the buzz, it is just hockey, and we will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good day, guys. Enjoy the weather. It's nice out here. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway, and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.